This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. And that's what this segment is all about. Debt help professionals in this country. What you should know about those help, those service providers. And we've learned if you're, if you've been, if you've heard the show at all, or if this is your first time, this is such good information because not all debt help professionals are created equally. And uh, and Blair's going to start by going through some of the most common professionals or types of representatives consumers consider when they're looking, when you're looking for help from someone who can help you with debt management. And uh, there's lots of good things to, le- to learn in this segment, I think, Blair. I, w- I remember when we first covered this topic, it was surprising and shocking to me uh, <clears throat> where some of these uh, people who, where they come from or how they're funded or et cetera. So let's get to it. Yeah, I'm thrilled to, to talk about this today, Elaine. And, and, you know, I don't think anybody would think that financial literacy in Canada is, is you know, anything that we, we should be proud of at this point. You know, we just don't teach enough about you know, how people should save and invest for the future. And we teach nothing about what to do when you have a debt problem. Um, you know, I went to business school, even worked at an accounting firm, and I had no idea when a family member of mine started to get into financial trouble what I could do to help that person. So even sometimes when you're reaching out, um, you know, to financially literate, financially savvy people in your life, uh, they just might not know where to steer you. So I think today's segment will help you get a little bit of the lay of the land of who's out there, what they could potentially do to help, and where you should start to reach out to. Not to say one professional is the best for every situation. They're not, but it's important to know exactly who is out there. So generally speaking, if you're looking for some debt management support, uh, the type of people people reach that you would reach out to, uh, first off, would be a lender. So typically a bank, maybe for a consolidation loan uh, or a subprime lender. Sometimes these are payday loans uh, or installment loans, you know, sometimes very high interest, high cost, which we'll talk about. Um, other than that, you might see, see or hear something about a debt settlement agent or a debt advisor or a debt consultant. Um, these are typically unregulated individuals that you know often make a lot of claims that might make them sound a whole lot like a licensed insolvency trustee, but they don't have any of the legal authority to actually help you execute on whatever remedies they're talking about. Um, so you'd still have to eventually see a trustee and you might pay fees in between. Um, oftentimes there's credit counselors and these can be for profit or not for profit. There's not a huge difference on, honestly between the two. Um, and oftentimes they're heavily funded by the people that you owe money to. So we'll talk a little bit about how that can create a bit of a conflict of interest. Uh, and then finally, or, or fourth in line here, um, is licensed insolvency trustees, which if you haven't heard, um, they used to be referred to as bankruptcy trustees or trustees in bankruptcy. But about three or four years ago, the government changed the, the title to make it a little bit more uh, maybe innocuous and a little bit uh, more broad to say it's not just bankruptcy, a licensed insolvency trustee can help you with. It's, it's a much broader suite of services than that. Now, those are the official ones, but but you also must come across people who turn to family or friends for help. 
Yeah, and that's that's often uh, one of the worst things that, that you can do. Um, so for an emotional point of view, absolutely open up to your friends, your family member, you know, everybody look for a solution. But if you start, if you begin to borrow from friends or family, it often adds an emotionally wrought dimension to an already difficult situation. Because if you have to be in a position where you're not going to be able to repay all of your debts by law you're not allowed to pick and choose and say well you know i just want to pay back my family but visa and mastercard i'm not going to be able to pay them back so if you start to introduce some family funds it can be tough uh, and this can sometimes take the the uh, role of being a co-signer so you might be applying to a bank for a consolidation loan they say well we can approve you but only if mom dad brother sister or whoever signs in the dotted line to also be responsible well then you've just given the bank another pocket to dig into it's not a 50-50 liability, it's 100% of the debt they might be responsible for if you're in a position that you can't pay it back. So usually that's a bad idea is to start to, to use family resources uh, to deal with, with someone's debt. Yeah. Can you, can you talk about the different solutions that are available for each type of debt help provider and then what kind of debts they generally can help with? Yeah, for sure. So we'll go in the same order. So talking about yeah. lenders. So this is, you know, essentially trying to borrow your way out of the situation. So solving a debt problem with more debt, which can sound sometimes a little bit absurd, but oftentimes the benefit is you're going to consolidate or put together a whole bunch of different debts, maybe with different payment dates and different terms and different interest rates. And hopefully you're going to be able to reborrow at a lower interest rate. So you'll have a single monthly payment. Hopefully it's lower than what you were paying before because the interest charges are also lower. So this is usually the first place people start is they say, well, I'm paying 19% interest here, 29% interest there. Could I go and consolidate my debts, you know, for 10 or 12% interest? And oftentimes what comes back from the bank is, well, we'd love to do that, but you don't have any assets that we could take as security to guarantee that they will get paid because the bank is going to go and pay back everybody else 100 cents on the dollar. What if you're not able to pay the bank back? You know, they didn't get to be record profitable by losing money. So they're going to want to make sure there's some assets that are there or they're going to request that you get a co-signer, which, again, can remove all of your flexibility in the future if you eventually can't repay the debts in full. You know now that co-signer is going to be on the hook. Okay. So the second one was what? Uh, debt settlement agents you talked about. Yeah. So with a debt settlement agent, um, you know, they're generally going to try to help you with your consumer debt. So nothing to do with a government debt, a student law or an ICBC debt. And what they'll do uh, is typically try to negotiate individually with each of your creditors to achieve a settlement for less than what you owe. So if you started to, to look up online, you might see things like, oh, yeah, we settle debts for, you know, 20 cents in the dollar. If it's not a trustee, you have to be a bit careful because the way debt settlement works is they'll have a promise that, you know, we can sell your debt for 20 cents in the dollar, but they'll require that you start to save that 20% of the debt so you can give a lump sum payment um, to your creditors. So oftentimes what that means is they'll tell you to stop paying everybody, uh, to start paying them their fee and start putting some money into a set-aside fund or or, you know, a little savings account that's, a, that's different than your normal. And then once you've spent some time being delinquent on your debts, they'll phone up all of your creditors and say, hey, you haven't heard from John in six months. He's going to offer you a 20% repayment. Do you want to take it or not? Some creditors mm -hmm. will take it. Some won't. The government will never agree to work with these guys. Um, but oftentimes what I hear from clients is they pay a lot of fees and they're either not able to save the amount of money because life can intervene. It's tough to save a lump sum of money. Um, or their creditors just keep harassing them. They'll never take the deal and they end up worse off. Their credit rating is worse than it was before. and They got no solution and just paid a bunch of fees. 
So that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't sound like a good option. What about a credit counselor? We see lots of advertisements and hear lots of advertisements for credit counseling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with a credit counselor, so it's the same type of debts that can be handled as with the debt settlement agent. So it's your typical consumer debt, so it's nothing to do with government, student loans, or ICBC. Um, and a credit counselor, they're generally funded near 100% by the creditors. So this is, you know, one of my bones of contention is I think there should be a whole lot more transparency when you sit down, even with a not-for-profit credit counselor, for them to say, you know, my job is essentially to be a collection agent for the bank. I'm going to treat you nice, but I want 100% of the debt back from the bank. And that's what a credit counselor can offer you is 100% repayment of your debt um, over a term of up to five years. And they can often negotiate an interest freeze on those amounts. So compared to your status quo, that can be a really good option. You know, get the interest down to zero and pay it off over five years. But the challenge that I run into with clients is it can be difficult to afford paying off 100% of their debt over a five-year period. And a lot of folks aren't aware that they're actually dealing directly with the, with the creditors, with a collection agent, and they're not going to make you aware of some other options that might be a better deal for you, like a consumer proposal, which hurts your credit the same, but you pay back what you can afford, sometimes 20 to 40% of the amount, as opposed to 100% of the amount. You can imagine that's a very different life, a very different means of affording the payback of your debt. Yeah. Now, the last one is licensed insolvency trustee. And before we go there, I just want to say, if you want to jot down this website so that this will make more sense when you go back to the website to check it out, it's for sans-trustee.com. That's the website. And it's filled with great questions and really good answers on all kinds of areas of the things that we're talking about. And the phone number, just so that you've got this, jot it down as well, one 800 661 3030. So let's talk about a licensed insolvency trustee. Yeah, so different than than the last two advisors that we talked about, a debt settlement agent or a credit counselor, a licensed insolvency trustee can deal with just about every debt that's out there. So not just your consumer debt, they can deal with your income tax, the penalties, the interest, they can deal with student loans, can deal with just about every ICBC debt as well. So when you're dealing with a licensed insolvency trustee, um, you're getting what's called a fresh start. You get the ability to start over unburdened by debt, and there's none of your debts typically they're going to fall outside of the program. I say typically because things like child support or alimony, you know, those are debts that you can't compromise, nor would most people seek to do so. But other than that, your standard debts, a licensed insolvency trustee can deal with all of them. Um, In Canada, a licensed insolvency trustee is the only professional that's able to use Canadian law to help you make a consumer proposal, which I alluded to previously, which is, you know, one of the best solutions that maybe you've never heard of unless you listen to us quite a bit, uh, but it's the best solution to get you out of debt without having to file a bankruptcy. So a proposal is structured to look at what would happen if you filed for bankruptcy. And most of the time, people would make some minimum payments. Almost nothing would get repaid on their debts. And it's based on a win-win principle where the win to the person is they avoid filing a bankruptcy. And the win to their creditors, the people they owe money to, is that they actually get some of their debt back. You know, usually a range of 20 to 40 percent over a term of up to five years. You know, terms of about three to four years are more typical. So when you're dealing with a trustee, they've got to sit down with you, work out your budget and figure out what you can actually afford to repay on your debts, which other advisors don't have to do. 
So, you know, if it's a credit counselor that's being paid by the lender, are they going to take the most interest in making sure you avoid hardship? Well, I hope so, because they're generally ethical people, but they're kind of rewarded to get the deal done. And that's that. If you're dealing with a trustee, their guidelines, professional ethics and the rules of professional practice that they have to abide by. They say that we are not allowed to sign off on a proposal unless we believe it's in everyone's best interest and the person will be able to repay it. Um, a licensed insolvency trustee can also help you file a bankruptcy if it's a situation where you know even 20 to 40 percent repayment of the debt just is not possible. It'll be too much hardship uh, or for whatever other reason. A personal bankruptcy is enshrined in Canadian law for the honest but unfortunate debtor to help them get a fresh start and turn things around. And generally, it's less severe than what you've thought. It's generally private and it's nothing to be afraid of. A licensed insolvency trustee is going to help you explore all of those options and figure out what's the best for your specific situation. And uh, just uh, in the last minute we've got in this segment, Blair, uh, I want to just include the, the counseling sessions that are really are such an integral part of the service that you give somebody in assisting them in this debt management. Yeah, you, you said it right, Elaine. It's such an important part of the process is you've got to sit down. You'll meet with the trustee a number of times before you file the proceeding, and we'll give you some counseling at that point. But there'll be two uh, federally mandated with a great curriculum counseling sessions under either a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. They're going to tell you how to rebuild your credit, how to move forward with great financial habits, and try to make it a one-time thing in your life. So we really want it to be a transformative experience with a licensed insolvency trustee. Yeah, and it's just such good information that you can carry forward once you once you get out of this and everything gets looked after. Then you've got this. You've got another skill set. Sands-Trustee.com. Give them a phone call one eight hundred six six one thirty thirty and get that first free consultation as well as to find an office near you. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So we talk about all different kinds of debt and how we incur it. Um, But the unexpected one, I think this is a good segment, Mm -hmm. the stuff that just shows up, and it's hard to believe that that can happen, but we know it can, big time. Absolutely. And a lot of clients that I see, you know, they're managing just fine. And then suddenly there's some shock, you know, maybe they get sick, a kid gets sick, they divorce, something like that. Um, So it's some kind of external shock to the system, something unexpected. And that's what causes them to come and see us. Um, And, you know, if everybody had an emergency fund of, you know, six months of fixed expenses around, I'd be a lot less busy. But the situation that we live in is a lot of folks find it really tough to save money on a monthly basis. So when something happens, they just don't have some cushion to absorb it, unfortunately. I know. I, I remember hearing that uh, hearing that sentiment before about how, oh, yeah, you want to have two, two months worth of mm-hmm. uh, expenses put away. And I said that to somebody and they just looked at me like I'd arrived from Mars, like who in their right mind is able to do that? Well, the average person just isn't, right? And, and that's Very true. Very challenging. Yeah. And especially if, you know, maybe if you're small town, wherever, but in some place like Vancouver, Lower Mainland and BC, it's very expensive to keep your head above water here. Yeah, very expensive to do that. So you put Canada Revenue Agency right at the top of this unexpected Mm -hmm. debt. How is it that that's unexpected for folks? Well, that's a good question because for some people, you know, if they're self-employed, they know they're going to owe a balance to CRA every year. It's anticipated. They put some money aside and they pay the money owing. But for some people, CRA debt can come without warning like a bolt out of the blue. And it could be some of these scenarios. You know, you've got a new account who's made mistakes or they tried to use deductions that weren't allowed. 
world. So the so, new person has seen the errors of the old person or the new person is making, doesn't matter, I guess, both, right? really. Yeah. Either way, you're getting a reassessment or something back from CRA where you didn't anticipate any of that. You thought your business expenses were fine, your medical expenses or whatever, and CRA has disallowed those and suddenly you've got a balance owing. Got that it. can be unexpected. Um, in some cases, you've got additional employment income and not enough tax was withheld that source. So for many people, they take on a second job, a part-time job, a side hustle, and the first year when they do their ta- their taxes, they realize that, oh my God, I was not deducted enough on this second job, and they end up having to pay back a bunch of this extra income that they've gotten. So we've really got to make sure if you're taking on a second job or something like that, that you are getting extra taxes withheld or that you're putting the money aside in your bank account knowing that CRA is going to come and look for it. Uh, and you know, a third way here that CRA can be unexpected is if you become self-employed and you just for whatever reason, haven't done all the right homework. You yeah. don't know all the requirements. Um, you don't know that you're supposed to collect and remit GST, but CRA shows up a year later and says, where's the 5% of your sales you've been collecting? And they don't want to hear that, gee, you didn't know you were supposed to do that. It's your responsibility to know all the rules and to play within them. Yeah, very good. And I, you know, you've said that they're a very powerful creditor, CRA. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced this just in a tiny bit in a situation where a parent had passed mm-hmm. and, and uh, they owed money on on a, a particular thing, and when I talked to CRA and said, "Look, my you know my parent has passed, and mm-hmm. uh, she didn't know that this was supposed to happen," da 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 da, and really didn't matter. Yeah, you might find some that their bedside manner is different than others, and some are more understanding um, than other agents at CRA, but at the end of the day, they've got a job to do. And I had to pay it regardless, right? And as a powerful creditor, they might have been saying things like, well, either you pay us or we're going to start seizing assets, or we're going to start seizing income or different things like that. We didn't go there, but it was just like, oh, come on, you should be, because everybody else is so thoughtful and considerate when you've lost a parent and you're trying to fix up their uh, estate or accounts or whatever. This person was not. Uh, A little compassion can go everywhere in this this world, right? I wasn't getting that. Was not getting that. Yeah, most of the time with CRA, if there is a balance owing, they'll work with you up to six months. So, you know, if you owed $1,000, paid off over the next six months, they'll be just fine with that. They'll charge you a bit of interest. But anything beyond six months, if you need a multi-year payment plan or if you can't pay off the whole amount and you're trying to make a deal, those are losing battles with CRA on your own. You have to work with a trustee to get that done. Yeah, a licensed insolvency trustee. Exactly. The only ones that can actually deal with CRA in any significant way for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, ICBC debt. Yeah, so sometimes people ask... ICBC is incredibly in debt, I might add. Oh my God, the billion dollar loss, something like that. So this They're is, in trouble. Yeah, this is different uh, yes. from your perspective, which I guess we all support ICBC. But anyway, yeah, um, sorry. a large amount owing to ICBC, by definition, that's an unexpected event. You know, you'd sure. never anticipate to be in an accident. And of course, you'd never expect not to be covered for that accident. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in some cases, if someone was impaired at the time of the accident, ICBC will deny all coverage um, and then also hold them responsible for amounts that they have to pay out to the other party. Um, in some cases, and these are some of my youngest clients I ever see, if they you know, were driving, um, they had the N or the L and they didn't have the experienced driver with them and they get into an accident, suddenly they're responsible for everything and mm. ICBC is not covering a penny. Interesting. Now, the thing with ICBC debt is it's basically government debt. So they can do the same things that Revenue Canada can do. They can seize assets, they can seize wages. And then what's often of even greater impact too, or equal, um, is they can not allow you to get your license. Right. So if you want to drive in the province of BC, you have to come to terms with ICBC. Now, as a licensed insolvency trustee, uh, ICBC comes under your umbrella as exactly. well. Okay. That's a debt that we can deal with. Now, there are certain parts of ICBC debt that no matter what, you can't get away from. So if you were driving drunk 
up and killed somebody and the court imposes a fine, I'm sorry, a trustee can't help you with that. But we check everything before we go forward. We've got to contact at ICBC. We make sure it's a debt that we can deal with. We can help restructure. And then the person doing either a bankruptcy or a proposal, ICBC debt just becomes another one of those debts. Got it. Um, and the the life event debt, and I know you've spoken about this before, that that is often the, the situation for folks that you sometimes see, is that something very unforeseen, somebody within their family got mm-hmm. ill uh, or weren't able to work, or they themselves weren't able to work as a result, and disability didn't cover the expenses and mm-hmm. so forth and so on. Yeah, and the most common one that we see, because we definitely see, you know, the disability point of view, um, but it's when a relationship breaks down. Mm. So whether it's a marriage or common law or something like that, there's a huge impact. And, you know, people often thought, well, bankruptcy causes divorce. It, it's the reverse. Divorce often causes bankruptcy. Fair and there's a couple of reasons for it. Um, you know, first off is that there can be a splitting of debts. So if one partner has incurred all of the debt, um, the other partner can suddenly make a claim against that person and say, hey, you owe me a bunch of this money that I've incurred on debt. And the person and can't pay that, you know, they can, there can be a court battle that can ensue about that. Uh, there's the cost of legal proceedings. So quite often, if it's acrimonious, if there's a lot of, you know, really bad blood and the parties aren't talking, well, talking through lawyers is about the most expensive conversation you're ever going to have and yeah. can take a long time. And sometimes in the end, you'll spend more in legal fees than the assets you were trying to protect. Um, but not to say in every case, it's the wrong thing to fight. In some cases, it's the right thing to do. Sure. Uh, and then there's the cost of reestablishing oneself. So suddenly, instead of having one household for two people, two separate houses sold, they need to buy everything again, they've got you know double the cost typically on a monthly basis. So there can be a lot of impacts of relationships breaking down. Yeah, and besides the fact that it's all consuming and stressful and all of that, it can be brutal for folks. Oh yeah, no, just the as you're saying, the stress of going through it, of the uncertainty, quite often there's kids involved as well. Yes. Um, you know, there can be a custody battle. Um, you know, there can be a lot of things that can really add to a stress level. And then the monetary on top of that, sometimes people will really focus on, I've just got to get through this battle. I've got to get what I need out of here. And then I'm going to solve my, my financial problems. Right. And then when they pop off from air, you can suddenly see, well, there's all these legal fees, there's payday loans, there's credit cards, and the person's been, you know, living no sort of an existence for a period of years. So what would be the first and the last minute here in this segment? For somebody walking in the door in that situation, like that must be very, I mean, it'd be very heartbreaking for sure Mm -hmm. that they've had to go through this, but what do you do? What are the first sort of things that you would do? Yeah, the the toughest thing is the way I describe is the interaction between, you know, marital separation, law breakdown and that, and insolvency, it's not clean. Um, So sometimes, especially if a proceeding is not finished, it can be very difficult to file a bankruptcy or a proposal if you don't know if that person's going to have a half title to the house or Mm. no title to the house, if they're going to have to pay $2,000 a month support or $200 a month support. So in some cases, is the right answer is, okay, we need to see this thing play out um, and then we can decide on what the right restructuring option is. But I would still encourage people to come in and talk to a trustee. You know, if nothing else, a trustee could help you, you know, write something to your creditors and saying, here's what I'm dealing with. I've been to see a trustee. My intention is to offer you a proposal as soon as I'm able to do so. Right. Just another set of ears on the situation for sure. Uh, you're listening to Dollars and Cents. For information on any of the services that we've talked about, go to the website, sands-trustee.com or give them a call. Call at 1-800-661-3030. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. You know, for information on anything that we talk about on the show... 
go to the website sands-trustee.com. It's filled with some good information that will uh, maybe answer some questions for you. Uh, and if you actually want to talk to somebody, then that you can do that easily through the website as well to set that up. So we're talking about declaring personal bankruptcy, a step-by-step process. Boy, you know, it's kind of a scary title, isn't it, Blair? I, I know that I, whenever I see those words, I kind of think, oh, gosh, it must be awful. And, and the cool thing about Sands & Associates is, is that you guys go out of your way to make it, I don't know if I want to say an easier process, but certainly mm-hmm. it's easier on you to do the process. There's very step-by-step way of doing it and um, I think it's how you guys uh, do it so well that sounds how, how well Sands and Associates does this work. Yeah Elaine it's something that we take so much pride in um, is the idea that you know it's not our place to, to judge anybody um, you know just because you've got a debt problem just because you might need to, to declare a personal bankruptcy that often says nothing about your moral character your worth as an individual um, so but uh, that word itself is just so wrought with emotion you know even if you think about watching Wheel of Fortune in your life what do you not want to do well you don't want to land on the bankrupt <laughs> where, exactly. where, you know, you've, just, you've just lost everything uh, so people assume you know, whether it's just in pop culture or, or something that they've heard, that, you know, bankruptcy is the worst possible thing you could do. Avoid it at all costs. It's the end of your life. Um, and it's generally the opposite is true. Bankruptcy allows you to put a stop um, to what's probably the worst period of your life if you owe a bunch of money that you can't repay. And it gives you the chance to start over again. So far from being the end of something, it's a new beginning. It's a means of starting over, uh, of really having a second chance. Um, and, you know, the government created this legislation to allow, you know, for people to take risks, you know, if an entrepreneur uh, was never able to take a risk that a business might fail, well, we wouldn't have such a, you know, a rich tapestry of small business in Canada, because as soon as one failed, that would be the end of that person, you know, forever. So, you know, the government wants people to be able to take risks, take, you know, reasonable economic risks, wants, you know, if life intervenes, that you're able to move forward and not be stuck paying back your debts for the rest of your life. Um, you know, we did away with debtors' prisons hundreds of years ago in Western civilization. But even that, you know, even that that misconception, you know, people often think, well, you know, when's the police showing up? When am I going to be thrown in jail for these debts? So there's just so many myths and misconceptions that can often scare people from reaching out for help. You know, sometimes I, I describe my job, which, you know, and people are they kind of wrinkle wrinkle their forehead sometimes when, they, when I say, you know, my job is I give good news just about every single day because mm-hmm. people come in thinking they need to go bankrupt. And I either explain to them that, you know, bankruptcy is not as bad as you think and it's going to really help solve their problem. And they breathe just a huge sigh of relief um, or I'm able to help them avoid doing a bankruptcy by looking at a consumer proposal or some other options. So just by dispelling that fear, dispelling a bit of the stigma, uh, it's just going to help you know, anybody struggling with debt to try to reach out from help that much sooner. Okay. Well, let's start by, can you explain um, what a bankruptcy is, who might qualify uh, to declare bankruptcy, and the kind of debts that it addresses? And it's a big topic, I know, but let's, can we start there? Yeah, yeah, so exactly. So bankruptcy, it's a legal debt remedy. It's enshrined in federal law that gives you the ability to eliminate virtually all of your debts. So anything from credit card debts, consumer debts, lines of credit, even mortgage shortfalls, taxes, GST debts, student loans, ICBC, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, Bankruptcy is the legal remedy that's available when somebody finds themselves in a position where they're just not able to pay their debts. 
And that can mean, you know, if they were to sell their property, it wouldn't be enough to pay off all of their debts. Um, or they're able to make all of their minimum payments, but they just know they're never going to be able to pay this debt off in full. And that's the term of being called insolvent. Insolvent means essentially that you're not able to pay your debts in full. And that's what makes you eligible to file a bankruptcy. Now, the option and decision to file bankruptcy is yours. So I've never seen anybody forced into a bankruptcy. And conversely, I've never seen anybody prevented from filing a bankruptcy. You don't need to get permission from anybody. There's no throwing yourself upon the court and seeking their mercy. Uh, It's your right as someone who owes more debt than they're able to pay back to get relief, to get the support of a trustee and to achieve a financial fresh start going through the bankruptcy process. Okay. So what... Um, what do you, how, how do you become eligible to file for uh, personal bankruptcy or to qualify to be able to mm-hmm. file for personal bankruptcy? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. You need to owe at least $1,000, and that's an amount that hasn't changed since the first law was written in the Great Depression. So $1,000 used to be a ton. You know, Now, most people probably owe $1,000, but nobody goes bankrupt for owing just that amount. But sometimes for five or $10,000, it can be insurmountable depending on somebody's income. So you have to owe at least $1,000 and not be able to pay that debt as it becomes due. So that's essentially it. Now, it doesn't mean just because you're not able to pay your debts, you're automatically bankrupt. Some people will be in a situation where they're not able to pay their debts. You know, years can go by and they continue to tread water. But it's when they take the positive step of meeting with the trustee, um, sitting down and filing the bankruptcy documents. That's when they can start to get relief and start to get that debt legally discharged, which that's the point of a bankruptcy proceeding is you file the documents, you go through a bankruptcy proceeding. and We'll talk about all of what that means. And it's probably shorter and easier than most people think. And then at the end of the proceeding, you receive what's called a discharge certificate, which leaves all all your debt in the past and allows you to move on into the future. And if you become wildly successful, or maybe when you become wildly successful, unburdened by this debt, you're not required to go back and pay back any of the debt that was discharged during the bankruptcy process. Okay. What's the first step in starting that process, Blair? Yeah, so some people think you need to sit down, find yourself an insolvency lawyer, give them a retainer, pay some upfront fees. Uh, None of that's the case in Canada. So in Canada, you sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee, you know, virtually these days, either over the telephone or over video call. um, And the LIT is going to discuss with you all of your financial options. So step one is is to reach out for help, I guess, to make that call and to say that you want to meet with the trustee. And then often, same day, next day, or as soon as you're you're ready to do so, you'll have the first call confidential debt consultation. Uh, The trustee is going to start by listening, by understanding, well, what's your situation? What's brought you to this point? Uh, What's your family situation? What's your income, your budget? Uh, And just to see, well, what are the options that are available to you? Uh, A trustee's job is to be an honest, um, impartial officer of the court, uh, which means essentially our job is to tell you all of your options and to give you the opportunity to execute on whichever option you choose. So the first meeting is going to be all talking about what's the situation, what the options exist for you, and then you're going to lead with the ability to make a decision on whether bankruptcy is right for you uh, or not, and you pay nothing for that meeting. It's confidential. You going to see a trustee doesn't have any impact on your credit rating. You know, your neighbors don't know about it, all of those those fears that people have. It's a confidential way of figuring out, you know, what are your options to get out of debt. Now, I I assume sort of the second meeting is where you start to fill in the blanks and and do the paperwork? 
Mm-hmm, exactly. So at the first meeting, usually at the conclusion, we'd say, okay, well, if you choose to go forward, um, you know, it used to be in the office, we'd hand you a paper application form and help you fill it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, now with online, we direct you to our web-based application form. You'd fill in some information, take photos of, you know, your pay stubs, your debt statements, give us the information, whatever format works for you. Um, and then we'd review everything with you saying, well, based on your income and the amount of the debt, if you were to file for personal bankruptcy, it would run for a nine-month term. You'd be required to pay $200 a month for those nine months. You'd be required to come for two financial counseling sessions. You know, we'd file your taxes. Um, Are you okay with that? Do you want to go forward? And the reason why you'd want to go forward is at the end of all of that, you owe nobody anything. You've got a fresh start. You can rebuild your credit and you don't need to worry ever again about these debts. So a second meeting is going to be filling in all the gaps and getting the paperwork done. Uh, The third meeting, so typically three times you'll meet with the trustee to start the proceeding. The third meeting is when you execute on those bankruptcy documents. So you sit down or we do a screen share these days. We review all the documents with you. Um, You're going to swear a couple of oaths saying, yep, these are my debts to the best of my knowledge. These are my assets. This is my budget. And then the trustee is going to take all of those documents and register with the government and then notify everybody that you owe money to that there's now a trustee on the job and they've got to deal directly with the trustee. They're prohibited from even calling you. They can't call you and give you grief for filing bankruptcy. They can't take you to court. They're not even allowed to send you any further statements. Everything's got to stop once you file the bankruptcy. You get kind of a financial ceasefire, which can remove just a whole lot of stress that people are carrying about. And that can happen pretty quickly, can't it? Yeah, it could all happen in the space of a couple of days. If it's urgent and someone's having their wages seized, we can stop that and get things filed quickly. Uh, you know, it's a serious decision. So some people decide they want to, you know, think about it for a couple of weeks, have a couple of meetings, ask a lot of questions. We're totally fine with any pace. We're just there when you need us. Okay, great. And before we talk about step three, I just want to throw in the website again, uh, sands-trustee.com. If this is making sense to you and you want to take those first steps and you just want a few more questions answered that we, that possibly will we will answer or won't answer in this segment, uh, 1-800-661-3030 is the phone number. So step three, working, actually working through the bankruptcy process. Exactly. So when you file for bankruptcy, you stop paying all of your debts. You don't have any responsibility to those creditors anymore, but you do have a set of responsibilities to the trustee. So the trustee is going to be really clear with you because they've got the same objective. They want you to get through this smoothly and on time. So most bankruptcies will run for nine months. You know, some will run for a year longer than that, 21 months if you're not low income. Nowhere near the seven years most people think. And what happens during those nine or 21 months um, is you're going to complete two private one-on-one financial counseling sessions. And I get calls so often from clients who say this was the most valuable part of the proceeding. You know, leaving the debt behind was one thing, but then learning how credit ratings work, learning how to set up a good budget, learning how to set financial goals and save to achieve them. You know, that can be some life-changing knowledge. So you're going to attend two of those sessions uh, with the LIT or with the counselor, focusing on financial literacy and really trying to make sure it's only one time you need to do either a bankruptcy or a proposal. The counseling is in both remedies. Uh, Another thing you're going to do beyond the counseling is you're going to track your household income and your expenses. You're going to submit a monthly budget form called an income and expense statement. And that's how the licensed insolvency trustee is going to calculate what you have to pay back in the bankruptcy. So if you're considered low income, and that depends on your family size, but a single person is about $2,200, you're going to submit budgets to the trustee showing that you're earning that amount. You're going to show you're living within your means each month. uh, And then you've completed your second duty of the bankruptcy by providing those nine budgets. 
Um, the rest of the bankruptcy is largely just cooperating with the trustee. So the trustee has to file your income tax returns up to date, get you caught up if you're a few years behind. So you just need to cooperate and give the information and then keep us informed of your current address. Um, the final thing is you just make some payments. You know, trustee will withdraw from your bank account once per month. For most cases, it's $200 per month uh, over the nine-month period. And then at the end of that proceeding, you're absolved from all of your debt. Wow. That's pretty That's pretty significant. I, and it always astounds me when you talk about the length of time that it takes and the ease of which it can all happen. Now, I, I'm not trying to, to uh, say anything. Uh, we know how emotional and how challenging and how difficult all of this feels. But I got to say that Sands & Associates and all my dealings with Blair doing the show over the years is these people are good and they're thoughtful and they're kind and they're going to listen to you and sort of shepherd you through this. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scollin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. I, this is a great segment, Blair. The reason why I hesitate, because... It's such an interesting way of approaching the idea because we all want to help people. We all want to help somebody who's struggling uh, at any time, especially with um, debt or finances or they're in such a situation, um, any kind of financial crisis. And, of course, it seems to be pretty prevalent right now. And this segment is all about what you can do to help someone through a debt problem as well as the things you shouldn't do if you find yourself in a situation where you're trying to give some somebody some support. So um, I guess the first question, Blair, is how often or yeah, how often do you hear from people who are really concerned about somebody else's potential debt problem? And then let's talk about the sort of the general warning signs you should look for uh, if you're trying to help somebody as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure, Elaine. I think this is an important segment because we think about, you know, as human beings, what can we do that would, you know, really help others? Well, it's to ease suffering. And just about everybody that I see that's dealing with a debt problem, they're suffering. And so if you can be a resource to somebody in your life, you know, help them suffer less or get the help that they need, you know, what greater gift can you give to somebody that you care about? And that's something that makes me so proud with a lot of the clients that we've helped. Um, you know, they're able to then be a resource for people in their lives that are having money problems. And, you know, we often say it on, on this show, but, you know, you're not alone if you're having problems with your debt. Um, you know, as recently as 2019, um, the statistics were out of every 1,000 adult Canadians, just under five, so about 4.6 of them filed a formal insolvency proceeding just that year. So if you think of it over a 10-year period, well, that's 5% of the population uh, is going through an insolvency proceeding. And, you know, it's, it's orders of magnitude greater those that are dealing with debt problems and maybe don't need to file uh, a formal insolvency proceeding. So, you know, we often get approached by parents calling uh, for their adult children, concerned about how things are trending or maybe, you know, the kid has opened up to them and they, they want to provide support. Uh, we often get the reverse, children calling about their parents, you know, whether they might be retired, um, they're concerned the pension income is all going to debt repayments, they're not making ends meet. Um, often one spouse calling regarding the other, um, sometimes in a very supportive way, sometimes a little bit less so, but, you know, we, we give the facts and we, we don't judge, of course. Uh, 
close friends wanting to offer support. So, um, you know, it really takes a very close friendship for you to open up about all of your uh, potential financial issues. And, um, you know, often we're giving friends advice that, you know, my friend is still just too concerned, a little bit ashamed to reach out. So, you know, give me some tools that I can pass along, help me get some basic questions answered. Um, and sometimes we even get bosses who are concerned about their employees who've maybe seen their performance decrease and they've had, you know, the heart to heart discussion about why. And the person saying, well, you know, it's because I'm getting collection calls 10 times a day um, or the boss has perhaps received um, a garnishee notice, which is requiring them to take sometimes up to 30 percent of the person's wages and send it directly to the creditor or to the government, which they know is going to put the person in a, in a, t- a very tough situation to succeed. So there's a bunch of different, um, you know, scenarios that that occur. Uh, for the most part, the reason why people are reaching out for money problems, it's circumstances. They were doing just fine, and then something happened, some shock to the system. So the most common ones are there's a job loss or an impact to their business. Um, sometimes there's a chronic or long-term illness of themselves or a close family member, a child or a parent included. Um, sometimes it's relationship breakdown, divorce, or a separation, uh, or one that we've seen increasingly in recent years, and it's all very gratifying to help someone on the road to recovery, but it's when they're dealing with an addiction and have put that behind them, but sometimes the, the debt hangover isn't so easy to leave behind. Okay. So so let's say there is somebody uh, in my life that one of these situations pertains to. How does one even begin to have a conversation? Because it's like helping somebody who's an alcoholic, for example. You, you can give them all the information, but you can't make them go, right? Um, so how yeah. do you start that conversation with someone? Yeah, you said it well, Elaine. You can't make anybody get help before they're ready. You know, you can just offer facts and resources, you know, the gentle nudge to put someone in the right direction. And sometimes it starts by sharing a little bit about your own situation. So sometimes sharing a personal experience where you struggled financially. And I don't know many people in life who haven't had at least some money worries at some point, um, but your friends or your family members, they might not have seen that because you kept it in. So letting someone know that you've struggled as well. Uh, sometimes it's talking about a financial literacy concept that you recently learned. Um, you know, did you know if you're paying 24% interest on your debts, they're going to double every three years, you know, so, something like that. Um, you could talk about a media piece or a news article that you've seen about debt help services, maybe about the bankruptcy rate being higher or lower, uh, or sometimes just asking them, you know, after a big life event, um, you know, how are you managing financially? Are you, are you doing okay from a financial perspective? And it's a hard topic to broach with people. I mean, there's, it's, it's not just about money. There's so much attached to somebody who's feeling the pressures of debt or fi- a financial crisis of some sort in their lives. Now, absolutely. Money is not just something often say so you can't just put it away and, you know, just worry about it for 10 minutes a day. It becomes all consuming. Yeah, and there's so many other, so many other things that are connected to it as well. So, what are the what are the sort of first steps or the something that I can do uh, to help somebody? Yeah, the number one first step is just to get a clear picture of the situation. So, you know, sit down with the person if they're open to it and, you know, help them set out just even on a sheet of paper or maybe just a quick Excel sheet, um, you know, who do they owe money to and the debt details. So what's the balance owing? What's the account number? What's the monthly payment requirements? And what's the status on each of the debts? Are there collection agencies involved? Is there pending legal action or garnishments? Or are they keeping track of everything, but they're just not paying down their debts? 
the second thing you can do is really help them work out a realistic budget for available income and household expenses. So just sitting down and saying, well, we know your income is X per month. We know your expenses are hopefully a little bit less than that. What can we realistically devote to debt payments? And if you find there's just not any money left in that budget or the expenses exceed the income, you know, hopefully that would stimulate a bit of a discussion. Well, you're going to need some help here, um, you know, perhaps to start to reach out for some, for some financial resources. Now, and, and I want to mention this too, uh, Sands and Associates. If, if the bells are already ringing in your head when you're listening to this, this is the phone number to call to get a hold of someone who can help you take some first steps and, and figure out what your situation. The number for Sands and Associates, and this is for all over British Columbia, is 1-800-661-3030. So let's talk about those financial resources, Blair. Yeah, so obviously the one that I recommend above all else for your first call is to reach out to a licensed insolvency trustee. And the reason for that is an LIT is the only debt health professional that's endorsed and empowered by the federal government to help you access all the remedies that are enshrined in law. They were written for the honest but unfortunate person that owes money. And every licensed insolvency trustee will meet with you for free. You don't need to get a referral or anything like that. And at Sands and Associates, we're proud that over 30 years, you know, we've treated everybody with dignity, with empathy and respect. Um, so, you know, we understand these money problems can happen and we just want to help people move forward and have a better tomorrow. And is there one thing as we close out this segment, we've got about another minute and a half or so to go. Are there mm-hmm. some specific actions that you suggest people not do as they reach yeah. out? Yeah, I think it's so important that we cover this, Elaine. So, you know, the worst thing you can do is to blame or shame the person with the debt. It's not going to help find a solution, and it's probably going to compromise your ability to have open communications with that person in the future. So even if the situation seems really bad from your perspective, you need to react without judgment. That's such a key thing in our professional lives every day is react without judgment, and you've got to give that support to your your friend, your family member, your coworker, or who not, or whoever else. You know, other things to avoid is don't try to solve the problem on their behalf. So I encourage people not to co-sign a loan. Um, you'll become 100% uh, responsible for that payment if the person can't pay. Uh, and don't start using your credit to support somebody else or start using your own assets to pay off the debt either for yourself or somebody else. You know, oftentimes people think they're doing the right thing and think, well, you know, they would have to lose their RRSPs anyway, so let me help them cash them in. And they've just created a larger problem for the individual. So help them get some support. Um, really don't try to solve it on their behalf, but definitely stay away from the blame and the shame game. It's not going to solve anybody and you're all going to feel worse after. And, and really, and I'll just go back to the very first thing that you can do, and it's so helpful, is uh, to connect with somebody from Sands & Associates very easily. To, you can do it very easily. Sands-trustee.com is the website. And I want to also say there's a ton of good information on the website as well, lots of good questions and answers. The number, again, is 1-800-661-3030, and it is toll-free all over British Columbia. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.